Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Hope you are doing well. So my name is Ollie Richards, and this podcast is all about language learning and helping you become a better language learner. I myself have uh, learned eight languages, and uh, I looked a little bit like my guest today, who you'll hear about in just a second. But uh, I've spent much of my life learning languages, and I draw on all of that experience, uh, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, to um, answer your questions about language learning so that you can become a better language learner, achieve your language goals, and just generally make more out of life, because I think that's what all of this is about. Now, today I'm speaking with Mike Shankwan, who is the CEO of a company called Lingoda, who, if you spend any time at all in the language learning world online, you will undoubtedly know about it. Lingoda is a very established, very successful company that runs language classes in lots and lots of different languages. And Mike runs the show. Mike's a very interesting guy because he is he is a Chinese American, grew up in the US, uh, and grew up as you know, he's one of those people, as you're here, who as a kid got very fascinated with languages and learned a lot of languages uh, while he was still a teenager. And uh, what I was extremely interested in during this conversation is to hear about how languages have influenced his career and he's got a very very uh, very uh, eclectic very interesting very uh, successful career that has been highly influenced by languages so this is a conversation that you're going to really enjoy if you are someone who wants to use your languages um, professionally in your life but it's also uh, on a personal level it was fascinating for me to hear about Lingoda and to ask some rather selfish questions for myself about how Mike and his team are going about doing things at Lingoda, some of the challenges they face, what they're working on, new features and things like that. So it's a wide-ranging conversation. And I think without any further ado, I will cut right to it. Enjoy. Right, well, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Mike Shankwan, who is the CEO of Lingoda. Um, Mike, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Yes, Ali, it's uh, great to have, it's great to be here. Wonderful. Now we have we have there's so many things that um that I want to talk to you about because you have a very interesting background. You run a very very interesting company that I'm sure many of our listeners have heard about. Um, so to begin, then just to kind of put you on the map, as it were, perhaps you could give us a quick summary of um what Lingoda does, and then your own background and how that led to you um, joining forces. Sure, absolutely. So Lingoda is a, an online language school. We offer live group and private classes with live teachers, and we combine the uh, best of both worlds. So we have the quality of an offline language school with the flexibility of being online, so 24-7 uh, availability. Um, in terms of uh, where I actually you know, started, uh, so I myself, like you, Ali, um, I'm actually a polyglot, and um, when I think back to when I was in uh, seventh grade, um, I, um, as a Chinese American, uh, my parents had always emphasized math, um, physics, uh, the sciences, and I actually, my favorite uh, subject was French. And that led to uh, me, you know, having a very strong interest in uh, language learning, um, uh, discovering different cultures. Um, and as I got older um, in high school, um, because I liked uh, learning foreign languages so much, I started to expand. And when I was in 10th grade, uh, my guidance counselor actually asked me, hey, um, I, would you like to learn a second language? And I said, I can't decide between uh, Spanish and Russian. So I actually uh, chose both. He says, well, why don't you do both? So I ended up doing those in addition to French, uh, contrary to what my parents actually wanted. And I even add Japanese on the weekends. So um, within one year, I was uh, learning four or five languages at the same time. And um, that's, uh, that's basically where I got a lot of my passion uh, for being a polyglot. Fascinating. What, what do you think it is that gives a child interest in languages because the 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 common trope we have is that oh you know no one's interested in languages that, uh, when they're young language education at school is no good uh, it's easy to dismiss uh well the education system uh, you know in many different ways but 
what is it that when, when something goes right, which it obviously yeah. did in your case, what is it that, that, that works there, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think first of all is to have a, for us to have a different attitude towards language. So you are also a native English speaker, just like me. And I think native English speakers have this perception that I'm not talented at a language, right? Well, by nature you are, because by the way, you learn English without any trouble, right? Um, and I think that there is this perception that um, whether you have talent or not, and in fact, I don't think it is about talent at all, and I'm not being um, humble in this, but I actually think it is a, is a fundamental, you know, you develop an interest. And for me, um, it was um, my uh, French teacher, Mrs. Lessing in seventh grade, she made it like really, really exciting for us, right? Like she taught us about the culture, the people, um, uh, what made it, what made French actually really fun, why France is such an interesting place uh, to visit. And she also encouraged me a lot. She said, hey, Mike, you, um, at the end of the year, she's like, you seem like someone who really likes learning French. Um, why don't I give you some books to read um, over the summer? And um, if you want, you can, you know, go into a more advanced French class. So she also believed in me too, right? And so I think having uh, the right circumstance and having the right frame of mind is extremely important. Um, I think the last thing is, is simply actually uh, traveling to another place and being able to use that. And I was lucky, Ali, actually, when I was in, I think it was uh, 10th grade, I actually got a violin scholarship to study in a small town in France, in Lorraine. And um, of course, I was actually more interested in the French than I was in uh, the violin study, ironically, for what I got my scholarship for. Um, but that, again, you know, transformed tra to a totally different world from my little town uh, back in the States. So I think it's a combination of exposure, um, attitude, and also uh, just the right, the right teacher to, 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 to get you there. I have read you um, saying in the past, um, and I, I quote, or at least I'm quoting from whoever wrote up the, the article itself, um, all kids should be required and sponsored to travel or at least connect to a foreign country where the culture is significantly different from their own before they turn 18. And I think I understand why you said that, because it's a, an experience that you had yourself. Um, it, it's interesting because in my own in my own case, you know, I, I remember I did French and German at school, and I really never I, I did I did okay. I didn't hate them. I, you know, when I was 14, 15 years old, being in school was just as much about you know, having fun with 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 friends, messing around with friends in class as it sure. was with 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 uh, about actually learning the language. But it was when I went on a French exchange. Uh, which was, I think, 10 days in France with a, you know, we swapped schools. Uh, we had, you know, a buddy in, in a French school and we went to them and they came to us. Uh, it was actually that experience of going to France and being outside my comfort zone, which made it real for the first time. It's what, it's what made the difference between the language being something we looked at on a blackboard versus an actual living, breathing thing with, with people. And then there's also the kind of, the kind of uh, societal and developmental aspect as well of actually being abroad without your parents and being in someone else's care and realizing, hey, these people aren't like us. They're not us, but they are just as human as us in every way. And, and, it, and it just opens you up to the world, doesn't it? So um, what, I guess the big challenge is that for an education system is, you know, it's, it's incredibly, you're incredibly lucky when you have a wonderful teacher and you have the, the, uh, the opportunity to go and travel abroad. But I mean, the, the big challenge is how do you do this on a, on a, on a, on a, on a huge scale? How do you give all children um, access to these kind of early experiences? So do you feel that there is room I'm sure there is room for improvement, but how do you see that challenge? Is this something that can be delivered, do you think, across an education system? Or, or are we destined to have in, in these vast inequality of, of experiences for kids when they're at school? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, I, I think at this point, um, well, the, our education systems actually do fund um, um, do have very big funds. And if you think about how much does it actually really cost? to uh, send a kid for a few weeks to another country, right? Um, yeah, okay, it costs like a few thousand, 
But if you think about the bigger scope of the, of, of the educational budgets, that actually isn't that much for what you actually get from the experience. Now, to be fair, um, because I um, am not, um, uh, I'm not in public policy and don't understand those details, right? From my standpoint, it would seem to be very easy. But I think each of us, Ali, can also play our role to, um, to help to enable that. So um, my actually, my last um, job prior to being CEO of Langoda was of a educational travel company for high school students, right? Which is where that passion oh, came from. And that's probably where you read, read the quote about. And um, it was actually specifically uh, service learning programs uh, for high school students to developing countries, right? So this is the other, right? To Africa, India, South America, um, because the other really sat there. And what we actually did was we funded, um, we had scholarships uh, for um, kids who typically wouldn't be able to afford our programs, hundreds of them every month, to be able to, to, to provide that, right? And that was through um, private institute, other nonprofit institutions, private institutions, and also us contributing ourselves. So I think that there are ways to actually go around this. Um, and um, in America, there's really many ways to fund that. Um, and um, so I think there, are, there is this opportunity. I would also say that as a starting point, Ali, um, where we've also gone with um, education technology and Lingoda being one example, um, and also what you're doing as well as another example, is you can start to connect in an authentic way through video and, um, and develop some understanding. So um, that last uh, company, we also have started to, to do some of that, right? To actually to connect people. And Lingoda as well, um, if you think about what we do every day is thousands of people who don't know each other connect to each other. There can be in one, uh, in, in one class, there could be uh, the teachers from England, the students are from Brazil, China, Russia, and Germany. And in another class, it's completely different, right? And you're talking about language, learning about language, learning about culture in the context, and you, you're speaking a lot. Um, which is what you do in these classes. So it's actually one way to actually to start that uh, conversation and to start to develop some exposure and interest with our kids. Yeah, that, that's that's fantastic. And I think later on in the conversation, I'd like to get to exactly what it is that tech is is enabling, because I know you also have got a mixed mixed thoughts on the development of tech, you know, from the social media side and then from the different different elements of the tech spectrum. But just to, to, to change, to shift gears slightly. So you, you mentioned that, you know, you've talked about how you had this, found this passion for languages. And then you went on to, obviously at this point, you are, um, you, you run Lingoda. And then previously you worked for a, uh, a company that does the very thing that you said that you got so much out of at school, which is facilitating travel for kids. You strike me as someone who lives life by according to his passions and things that are meaningful for you. Um, so how has, how has, talk, talk to me about, about that, because the reason I ask is that a lot of people listening, well, everyone listening loves languages. And one of the, one of the things that, one of the questions that I get so often, you know, how can I have a career with languages? Because it, it's not always obvious. And, you know, assuming that you don't want to become a teacher, which some people do, but many, many people don't. Uh, you know, assuming that you're not going to be a teacher or a conference interpreter or one or translator, one of the more traditional paths, uh, I, I always like to highlight the journeys of people who have actually discovered this passion and then forged a career for themselves on the back of that passion. Sometimes, in, in spite of all the odds. So, how has that developed? You, you, how have your interest? How, how have your interest in your in your career path actually developed? Yeah, Ali, that's a great question. And I can't say that I planned this from the age of 15, right, to where I am today. Right. Uh, that would uh, absolutely not be true. And I had, I, I found my way there. And for a lot of us, there's our heart in our head, right? And um, I was telling you about, um, you know, the way I, uh, I was raised, it's like, hey, be an engineer, be a doctor, uh, go into business, right? Um, and uh, my, my parents always steered me in that direction. So I very much played the good Chinese son. Um, at an early age, um, you know, got good grades, um, took the classes I was supposed to, went to university, um, and then I studied economics and ultimately went to business school, right? Surprise, surprise on all of those things. Um, and, you know, even went into a, a career of investment banking and then to corporate America. Uh, but that's not what we're really here to talk about. Um, on this, 
however, on the side, I always had this passion that was running. Like I would be, you know, uh, taking languages after school, I mean, in university or taking classes um, or having a tutor uh, in uh, to brush up my Japanese, um, you know, after work or on the weekends. And so I always had this like this heart of what like what I was really passionate about. Um, but I also didn't know what to really do with it. What at some point I also just listened to my heart and I said, you know what? Okay, I've been in corporate America now for five years, uh, for five six years, and um, I want to take what I've got and I've got and I want to discover what I can actually use with those skills to get me one step closer, right? So I just knew I was really passionate about education. Um, I even thought about being a diplomat, for example, right? So there are many different things you can actually consider. I thought about opening um, a, bi, um, a bilingual charter school. Um, so we have these charters, this concept of a charter school in, in the US. So there were many different paths I actually explored, right? And ultimately I ended up going with, all right, um, I actually wanna go to a startup and innovate in the education travel uh, space, right? And in that course was language learning still, right? So I had these different paths and um, I ended up going there. And then as I, as I did that for five or six years, I said, you know what? What I'm even more passionate about is I'm passionate about language learning, right? So during that time, I was also just networking with different people in the language learning space, right? Going to conferences um, and uh, meeting people. And it wasn't really clear always what my end goal was. All I know is that like, hey, I love education and I love language learning. So how can I get even one step closer, right? And through that networking, I met Fabian and Felix, who are the founders of Limboda. Um, and it came together in a disparate ways. It was never really planned to say I was gonna go this way. Although when I talk to a recruiter or to somebody, it, it seems very logical, right? But of course, um, the next step, um, as I was networking and as I met these guys, I had my passion is language learning and these are my skills. And they said, well, you know, why don't you come to Germany and run our company? And ended up coming to Goda. And yeah, the rest is history. What I find really interesting about that is that so often when I meet people who are who 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 have been successful in different areas, it's 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 often not through one particular vocation or one particular interest, but more often through the combination of two things. So you know, for example, in your case, you've got the combination of the passion for language learning, but which by itself isn't enough. But then by combining that with your background in uh, in, in 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 corporate in the corporate world that actually creates almost a, uh, a bubble around you, which is very difficult for other people to, to, to compete with because you've got, I, I mean, I, 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 it's this, it's the idea that you don't have to be rather than trying to be the best at the world, best in the world at one thing by being very good at two things. It actually gives you more of a, of, um, of an advantage because you've, because you, it's because I think so often in, in life, in order to succeed at things, you have to bring together different skill sets. You know, I think about I think about what I've created with 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 story learning over the last seven or eight years, and sometimes it blows my mind to think about the number of different skills that I've had to develop in order to make it work. And from the outside, it's not obvious because people think, okay, well, you know, um, oh, okay, yeah, he, he he's he's you know he speaks eight languages, therefore he's done all these things. But actually, no, like the language is. It's probably like one percent of the of what I've had to do to yeah. go into to, to you know that what I've actually had to learn has been much more like, like I've had to learn copywriting, I've had to learn team building, I've had to learn leadership, I've had to learn about the digital economy, and all these different things. Um, and it's very much the combination of those things which has I think helped me get where I am. So, out of curiosity, and I don't know how we easy it is to ask this how to answer this question but what do you think it is in a, if you were to name one thing in addition to your language background which has got you where you are what would you say it is i think the one thing that has gotten me to where i am is uh, perseverance hmm. so we talked a little, we talked earlier about uh, I don't believe that language learning is about talent. It's about consistently building a habit over time 
being clear about what your goals are, right? And moving in that direction and realizing that you will have ups and downs, but overall you have the grit and the perseverance to get through it. And that ultimately is where I think a lot of people stop in language learning because they have frustrations, either they can't get from A2 to B1 German, or they have people who don't understand them on the streets of Paris, or they can't seem to memorize the, the, the vocabulary or get the grammar nailed between perfect and imperfect, uh, um, uh, preterite and imperfect, right? So all of these things are, are barriers. And just like in life, right? Like we have barriers, but we, we find our way through. Now, the most important thing, of course, Ali, in addition to that is the teacher, right? And what mechanisms you use and finding the right mechanisms you use and the right coaches to help you get there, right? And that's what you and I do, right? So um, in language learning, it's also important to have different methods and different coaches to help you get there. So as an example, I actually, I'm learning Italian right now and brushing up on my French. And uh, I'm actually using your, uh, your books and your, no, your listening, your, your tapes, right? And uh, I realized, okay, actually, it's not just about, it's not just about um, online language classes. That's one piece that's going to help me with the grammar, but I need to get more exposure to it. And by the way, I don't have a lot of time day in and day out to go to those classes. So every day I actually um, listen to them at night, right? And I like read them on other nights. And that's actually helped me to develop a rhythm of actually learning um, by just seeing and doing, right? By hearing it over and over again. And so it's, it's, it's one, it's about being smart with who you pick as your, as your coaches and your methods. Um, and two, I think the perseverance is absolutely important because like in life, we have ups and downs. And so that perseverance is something that you recognize as having applied throughout your, your career in different ways. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things that we do try to do also is to provide, um, what I also try to do is when, I, when we innovate in education, we try to do is actually find ways to help people too, right? So because um, you know, everybody wants to lose weight, that, that's, that's a given, that's a pain point, right? But, but what kinds of things can you, what, what can a service or product do to help to do that, to enable that, right? Um, and so for example, with Lingoda, we have uh, something called the Sprint. Um, you know, you, you, um, you take a class every single day uh, for three months and you advance to another level, right? And through that, you can get money back. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, right, is because that specifically is a way for, for you to break through that barrier, right? And, and to persevere, right? So also look for products like yours and mine, which actually can help you to get over that barrier, to persevere, to get to the next step. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't agree more with, um, with that. I also, long-term listeners of the podcast will be very familiar with me uh, saying that, you know, podcast, uh, podcast language learning is, you know, it's 95% hard work. And, you know, I think there is room for that 5% of talent that does just, sure. you know, it's like the, the, you know, the, it's like the, the, uh, the icing on the cake. Um, but, but, you know, the most talented language learners I know work damn hard at it day in, yeah. day out, and, and they wouldn't yeah. succeed without that. So, and, and, I, and I recognize, I can, I can, I can feel from just from the way that, that you talk, that this is, this is something that you bring to, to everything you do. So let's, let's talk about, um, how about your we'll transition over to talking about Lingoda because I'm I'm fascinated how um you see the the challenge of language learning in a very very fast changing world and um so so maybe give us a little bit of the history of of Lingoda and how it's changed over the over the years from you know, what it was like when it when it began to, to the extent that you were you're you're aware and then and and then how it's how it's changed uh, along with the you know the twos and fro's of the world over the last few years sure that's uh so i'm um as you know not um the founding ceo the the sure. founders are two brothers um fabian and felix from cologne germany and, and they started the company um nine ten years ago um practically, you know, out of a room, like as you would, you can imagine. And they offered- uh, I can imagine it very well. <laughs> and they, and then yeah, yeah, you, you can more than imagine, you, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
and they they offered uh, classes over Skype, German classes over Skype, um, recognizing that there uh, was a need uh, to be able to learn online. And they offered these classes over Skype and they were actually the ones that said, we will give you a class at any time that you want. Um, you just sign up and then we'll be there. And so it was Fabian and Felix um, actually on the phone uh, teaching people eins, zwei, drei. <laughs> and um, so, so, you know, so they were doing the marketing, they were doing the sales um, and they were teaching the classes, whether it was seven in the morning or 10 at night. Now, why am I saying this? Because, you know, one of the things we think about Lingoda and uh, what we're trying to do in language learning is, is that um, for, for the exception of the people who are exchange students, right? Like most people who are learning a language, like they have other things in life, right? Like um, they have kids, uh, they have a job, um, they, um, uh, they need to go to the groceries, right? So language is one of those competing priorities with everything else. And so one of the things that Lingoda actually does is, is that we strive to offer this 24 seven, anytime, anywhere. And as Lingoda progressed hist history-wise in the night, last nine to 10 years, you can imagine that Fabian and Felix were doing that for a while, for a few years, right? Because to grab this, to, to really have this traction of saying, yeah, we have 24 seven, we wanna offer, we wanna um, attract the very best teachers, right? To teach our classes. No one is going to like teach um, if you say, well, I might have a class tomorrow at 10 p.m., but just wait and you know hold on for a minute when you only have a few students, right? But as you start to build that traction, right, and you spend um, a lot of money to bring students in, right, you have 100 students, that's better than, of course, you have three students, right? So the first few years is really about building that traction, number one. Um, number two was to build the curriculum. So uh, we believe at Lingoda that it's really important to have a structured curriculum. Uh, it takes, you know this, Ali, you know, six to have 700 hours to uh, learn a language of classroom time, right, with a, with a native speaking or native speaking life teacher, right? That is, that is what it really takes, and that does not change. I cannot, we cannot make that easier for you, right? Like we can offer you um, great programs like yours, wait to supplement, but at the end of the day, you gotta speak and you gotta spend a lot of time. So what Lingoda has actually done is actually innovated on the curriculum and focused much more on the speaking and the listening and the interaction with teachers because our classes are an average three to four people, right? And you can take it any time. Um, and also emphasize real, what we call real language. Right? What do people really say on the streets of LA and London or Berlin? Not what they say in the textbook. So that you can actually use that language and be part of that community or feel like you're part of the community versus you're learning textbook, German or English. So that's been the bulk of the investment. So if you have, 600, if you have four languages and you have 600 lessons, that's 2,400 lessons. Then you have to improve upon that. So we're on version three already. Um, and the last thing is, is to say, how do we actually do this? So we're digital first, right? You probably have encountered this to yourself, Ali, right? As we move away from the, move towards a digital world is like the book, the textbook doesn't work, right? Like you actually need a curriculum, you need a technology digital first curriculum to be able to match that with the teacher, the live, and the technology itself. So it's this combination of people and technology that we've been spending a lot of time in the last few years to really provide an engaging experience that delivers on the um, outcome of you being able to speak the language. Mm. Yeah, th well, th thanks for that summary. That's very interesting. And, and uh, a number of things spring to mind, but I mean, I guess most interestingly, personally from my perspective is the fact that you're aiming to provide that complete experience you know there's six seven hundred hours because that's that, that that's that's ambitious to do that and it's 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 and it's difficult because ultimately you know you can you, know, you can lead a horse to water and all, and all of that um so i'm, I'm curious because a lot of people listening to this i think will be teachers uh, or else people, language learners who teach or however they might describe themselves. And anyone who's tried to grow a teaching business or, 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 a, or a, you know, even a personal teaching home business, private tutoring, runs into this 
this scalability issue and this is going to be more of a business business question um but you've got a, a, your classic scalability issue whereby the 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 capacity of the individual teacher um gets used up fairly quickly and then you've got this horse and cart problem where where whereby um, if you let's say you wanted to expand by bringing on more teachers that's fine but then you've got to make sure you have enough students coming in but if you bring in too many students too fast, well, then you don't, then that's also a problem because you don't have enough teachers to, to run it. And then to do that whilst also maintaining quality and also having a, a vision uh, to boot is, it, is, it, is, it, is extremely difficult. And that's the, kind of, that's the kind of situation where knowing a language, being a good language teacher is not enough. You, you need to bring in a lot of different skills to bear on that situation. So um, I, I understand that this this will probably happen before your time as uh, as as CEO at Lingoda. But for the benefit of the of, of people listening who may be trying to build their own teaching business, what is it do you think that enables a company to scale beyond the small scale one or two teachers in the kitchen type situation to um, a a company that can actually grow? And continue that trajectory and um, and and scale, not necessarily smoothly because I don't think there's such a thing as smooth scaling, but but right. continuously towards a bigger a bigger growth. Sure, you know I think the first thing is it, it is technology, right? So um, before uh, before Zoom and video technology and broadband, fundamentally the option that you really had was a offline language school, right? So you rent out a building with uh, three, four or five rooms, right? And everybody wants to take the class from five to eight, right? Um, you can have three teachers or five teachers, however many classes, and then, and then you're done, right? You could try to fit it with 15 people, but that's, that, that compromises the experience, right? Um, and, but at the end of the day, you're, you're constrained in that way. Okay, you can go and build another language school, but you're still constrained. So I think the first thing is how do you digitize, digitize in, the, in, in the smart way, bringing that online. Um, but what you really need to think about, right, is how do you make the experience as good as the offline language experience? Because we're humans, right? And we obviously, Ali, you and I would, would relate in a different way. Uh, fundamentally, if you and I were in a coffee shop, right, next to each other, right, versus actually yes. Zoom. So how do you make this equally good, engaging, and delivering on, on the desired student, student outcome? So that's number one. And you need to do this like over and over and over again, right? So um, that's, sort of, that's sort of like, you know, question one. So how do you actually get really good at it? Um, and then I think number two, how can you then ideally make it better Right, because now that we have technology in place um, in online classrooms to be able to, uh, you know, through sounds, music, like colors, right, all different things, right, like to actually uh, an app, right, to to join it together, right, to make it like a really really great experience. And this is where often uh, you have to put an investment in initially, right? One, to get enough students and teachers, right? As we talked about earlier, what Fabian and Felix were doing, right? Two is to um, build these technologies um, and build the technology and curriculum with, uh, with the teacher in mind, the live human beings in mind, because there's four or five people in the classroom, right? And then building on top. And through that, then you can actually scale. Because if you build a better classroom, if you've got 2,000 teachers, that actually allows you to be able to to amortize right over those two thousand teachers versus if you uh, students versus if you just have five students, um, and so that's I think that's that is actually in some ways a story of Lingoda and and what um, I think what makes it successful. The business or any company like Lingoda relies so heavily on the people involved. Yeah, and when you have uh, live classes and you have. You want you need to make sure you know, ensure the quality of those classes, and you have multiple students in the classes. But I mean, that's a big chat. It's it's it's, it, it's what's interesting about a, a, bit, a company like Lingoda because yes, you've got the tech, but then you've also got a huge human resources side yeah. as well. So, as from a leadership perspective, for you joining Lingoda, was that a new dynamic for you? Was that um, was that new to you at all? And what how have you approached actually 
making that work smoothly? What a great question, Ali. I've never been asked that before. Actually, you've asked many questions that I've ever been asked before, but this one has actually gotten me gotten me thinking. And uh, see, I'm being yes, very self. I'm being yes. selfish with my. I'm very, very, being very, very self-serving with my questions because a lot of the things <laughs> that, I, that I that I struggle with in in, in my own business, you know, I'm always uh, looking. But I'm by being selfish, you're, yeah. by being selfish, you're helping others, right? Uh, all the people who are listening. Well, let's um, hope so. So, so yes and no. I think. So my experience uh, comes from the, you know, education travel and educational, like travel um, and education in country cannot be, it could be scaled, but only to a certain degree, right? If you have a program in Africa, you've got 15 kids on it. I can't make it a thousand suddenly. And it's like equally good, right? Um, in the same location, right? So, so um, yes and no. So um, no in the sense that like, that was not a digital product or service, but it was, it, it did have some scale elements to it because what we needed to do was think about our model of service leadership, our model of language immersion, if, there, if it was a language immersion class, a, a program, right? And to say, what is it in, at its center? What, what do we actually want in every single program, all 25, 30 locations around the world? And by the way, then there's like hundreds of staff, right? Who, how do you actually like center that, right? So then it's like, what is it that, what is the program, right? What's the curriculum? How do we center it? Then it's uh, how do we train the staff, right? Um, to execute on it, um, on that, but also let them do what they need to do to achieve the desired educational uh, learning goals, right? So all of that was like, I, I had experience with from, from, my, last, uh, from my last startup. Um, now this one is different in the sense that, of course, it's it's digital, so it's it's actually more scalable, but arguably can be uh, the quality control, right? Is 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 a question, right? How so? Um, you know what's beautiful is is that we've done a lot of the same things, created that structured curriculum, created the training, created um, a setup, so we hire the right teachers for the right skill sets, um, and um, with digital. What you cannot do in the offline world, Ali, is to be able to um, nicely monitor and track progress, right? So one of the things we can do is, of course, it can be observed how the classes classes are going, right? Um, it can be um, students can rate um, and um, give feedback, good or critical, to the teacher so we can improve that experience, right? Or um, ask the teacher like to stay or or, or um, potentially do something different if the, if, if, um, if the student uh, feedback is not coming in well. So all of that um, allows for, um, for uh, because of the digit, because we are digitized that we're able to scale. And so my last, my past experience has helped in thinking about this here at Lingoda and then we've taken it on to the next step. Mm. When you joined, is this, is that whole, um... Uh, I'm not sure if quality control is necessarily the right word, but the whole, the, it's almost like the DNA of the, of, of the, of the whole, of the whole school, isn't it really? It's like, how do you align your teachers with your curriculum, with the needs of the students? Is that something that you had to think design from the ground up when you joined, or was there already a, a framework in place for, for all of that when you, when you arrived? When I arrived, it was in progress, but that's also where uh, Fabian and Felix burned a lot of uh, late night hours uh, figuring that out. And one thing is, is, I think as language learners, we also sometimes look for perfection, right? Um, or as educators. I think one of the things that um, Fabian and Felix also uh, took on was you know, good enough in the beginning, right? So um, good enough, let's get it most of the way there um, based on, the budget that we have, okay, good enough. Now let's iterate again. Now let's iterate again. So by the time I was here, there was a basis, right? We certainly could improve upon it on that extra 15, 20%, right? To make it that much better. Um, and that's where we've been able now to have the resources to do that. But in the beginning, it was, it was embracing what I would call radical incrementalism, which is also <laughs> the same thing, the same thing that, that we can apply to, uh, to, to language learning. 
radical incrementalism. I, I, I love that. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm fairly sure that my, my team at Story Learning would say that that's pretty much what we do. Uh, if, 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 if not, uh, even if we hadn't named it, named it that way, it's, it's very much a case of, uh, <laughs> very much a case of, uh, of doing that. So that, that, that's, that's fascinating to hear. So I'm curious to, to, to know about Lingoda in 2022, then like, what are you guys working on? What are some of the new innovations that you are, that you are bringing in? What are you excited about personally? Oh, there's so many things I'm excited about. So when I think about the learning experience, um, number one, is what I call one plus one equals three. So you're, Ali, you're familiar with this, is that we're full, we have the live classroom experience um, and the curriculum that gets you from no French to fluent French. Uh, one of the things we've been missing is the app and self-learning to supplement and complement it, right? So um, why I call it one plus one equals three is because one is the live class which is the center of the Lingoda experience. The other one is the self-learning um, that is adaptive um, and works with the live classroom experience so that you get three, right? Because um, two separate is not as good as like one together. So sure. we, um, the, the, uh, the app is um, on its way out. And um, of course, um, uh, fellow listeners, it's, it's not perfect, but uh, we will get it better um, every single month. Um, so that so that's number one. Uh, number two is we uh, have been spending a lot of time thinking about the um, online classroom experience. And um, you and I, we all we all have uh, you know our favorite exp uh, teaching experience, so to say. So for me, it was Mrs. Boardman's sixth grade um, algebra, or not? No, I wasn't algebra. I wasn't that advanced math class um, in sixth grade. And um, she just made it so much fun. And I learned, we learned so much, right? Like she, the way that she talked, the way that she uh, engaged us, the way that we played games, um, the, so everything, right? And so the question for us with the Holy Grail is how can we make the classroom experience so engaging and delivering on the outcome, the desired outcome that you can't wait for your next class? So it's less like a class but more experiential, right? And so that's another way for us to help people learn the language because you can't wait to go into that class. And so we make uh, good teachers into superstar teachers through the technology. I, I'm very curious to, to hear more about, uh, about the, the hooking from one class to the next, because I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, I'm someone whose business is based on, 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 on stories and the fundamental premise of the story is, I basically, I do whatever I can to leave you on a cliffhanger so that you have to carry on. So I, I totally, I, I, so I'm very curious to know how you guys apply this then. I mean, is this something you're able to talk more about or is it a work in progress? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, still, it's still work in progress. And um, I, um, I can't share a, a lot of the details because it's, uh, because it hasn't launched yet and we're still figuring out what it features. Right. But, yeah. you know, you can imagine. So, okay, so, you know, a few things, right? Like, um, one of the one of the big pain points, Ali, right, in in taking a language class offline or online is confidence, or the fact that I'm gonna sound like an idiot, right, like um, with strangers that I don't uh, that I don't know, right. So, sure. what are things that we can do, you know, beginning of class or in the middle of class, right, or at the end of class to to help to to um, to allow people to to feel much more comfortable about the experience, right. Um, think about also uh, games. So um, we're not, our intent is not to gamify, right, the, the classroom. But of course, if you have short breaks where you have games or you have um, a, a multiple choice, you know, like little game thing that you would kind of put in the middle, right, to, to refresh people, right, it would be more fun, right? Or think about um, it's more fun to learn uh, competing, right? So Ali, you and I, you know, we're an A2 Italian and like, I want to get there ahead of you first, right? Who can get to um, B one fastest? I could get who get to, who can get to B one yeah. faster, right? Yeah. So it's um, human nature, like in a positive competitive way, right? Allows like yeah. you know, and and through the the technology can, can can allow us to do that. So some of the those are some of the different things um, that we are looking at among among many others. Yeah, no, it's interesting because what you're really describing there is 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 language teaching 101. I mean, I, I, I have a background as a, as a teacher and teacher trainer. And what I was 
you know, so much of, um, so much of what I always tried to, as a, as a teacher trainer myself, so much of what I always tried to get teachers to understand was from the perspective of the student, what are all the different things you have to manage? Because it, there's a temptation always to think of this, okay, it's all just about the language. And if we have a, a more effective way of teaching you the, the grammar, then, then, then we'll win. But actually it's, it's, it's different. Something like, uh, you know, games. Now, as soon as you say the word games in the context of language learning, a lot of people will just dismiss it straight away. Oh, I'm not, right. I'm serious. I'm not here to play games. Yeah. But actually games have a very, very useful pedagogical function um, in, in the sense that they, they, there's a change of pace so you can go from from in-depth work to more lighthearted stuff, changing interaction patterns. So rather than studying by yourself, you know, interacting with other people, you can introduce the time pressure element with games. So people are forced to actually think on their feet a little bit more and you can promote, uh, you know, group cohesion and you, get, you can get to know your other people in the class a bit more. And just even just having a bit of a laugh for a few minutes actually has a very important place within within the classroom. But I think a lot of the time, you know, with teach with, with with language teachers, especially online, when you have this phenomenon that online a lot of language teachers who are perhaps aren't qualified or experienced um, begin to teach online. Which, by the way, I think is a good thing because I think it just democratizes and makes learning more accessible. But it does kind of create something of a um, a phenomenon where it becomes more of a personality contest, a popularity contest in a way where the people who are just naturally nice tend to get all the students. And then quality is often out the window. And so, um, so all of these things are really, really valuable. And so it's great to see that you guys are, 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 are implementing this in, in, inside the class because, because that is the, it's the hallmark of, of, of good quality when teachers know how to manage, how to manage uh, students uh, in different ways. And, um, yeah. and, and it's not the student's job. It's not the teacher's job also to, to figure out how to make this game work on, you know, on the screen, right? Like, and if they did, if they liked it, it would take them like hours to do, right? Well, that's and the challenge, right? So, that, that's, what, yeah, that's what's interesting. That's, the, that's what makes, yeah. yeah, exactly. And well, so for someone who does like it, okay, you know, that's great, right? Um, mm. But you don't get paid for it, right? And um, at the end of the day, if you love to teach, what you really want to do is teach and have the most, you know, effective methods to do that, right? So that's how we think about it. And mm. we want to democratize. And, and, you know, Ali, like, the other thing is, is of course, you know, um, all the, the popular teachers get all the attention for whatever makes them popular, right? For a whole variety of reasons. We also democratize because we say, okay, we want effective teachers. We want good teachers. We want certified teachers. And so part of our methodology, which we can debate and discuss is that we actually um, give you different teachers. So if you're learning Spanish, Right, I know that you um, you learned Spanish after um, the Argentinian incident, um, <laughs> right? And you know this, right? So, so Spanish is a is a global language, like English is, and so Mexican Spanish, Argentinian Spanish, um, Peninsular Spanish is they're they're all they're all different. And then when a man or woman speaks, or older person or younger person speaks, different vocabulary, different language, different intonations, different ways of explaining things. And so what we do is actually. Um, people say, well, I want the same teacher because I understand Ali, how he speaks. I was like, you know what? Actually, the most, one of the most important things in learning to speak is, is language fluidity. How are you going to get language fluidity if you go to the same class every day with the same teacher? And that's something also that we have really emphasized in our methodology is to actually is to provide that, right? Different person mm. every time because then you will develop that fluidity. Well, good for you. I think that's I think that's that's fantastic because because if if it's if it's the case that your classes are focusing on spoken confidence and spoken uh, fluency, which it sounds like uh, they are, then you you're not doing anyone any favors by by getting them to uh, communicate very well with one specific teacher and then be right. totally lost as soon as they step outside. <laughs> they, on, on, they step outside the onto the street. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this this brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's 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 been really fascinating to hear about all the different elements that you're bring your you bring to the table. Um, big admirer of uh, of the of the company, and even more so now that I that I've heard about just how much you're 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 focusing on on quality and the, and the student experience. So so huge props from me, and thank you for thank you for your time. Um, what would you like to uh, leave the audience with? You've mentioned your app. Obviously, there's Lingoda. Where would you direct people to find out more about 
about what you're up to? Sure. So um, we, uh, the best way to find us is to um, go to your laptop and uh, type in lingoda.com, L-I-N-G-O-D-A. And uh, there you can actually find very easy access to a free trial where we give you uh, three classes, which is the equivalent of um, 35, 40 euros, um, a package, um, because a class costs about um, 10 to 15 euros, depending on the package. And so it's very easy for you to get in. It's a seven day free trial. So you have to pick a package, right? That you would go with. Um, but of course um, you can take the three classes and if you don't like it, you can cancel within those seven days. Or if you like it, you can continue. Another thing is uh, we have a sprint running as we talked about, which is to have um, to, to, learn, to learn one day a week. And if you do that for three, uh, two months, you, uh, you can get your money back that also gets you into the perseverance and that daily habit building, as we talked about, incre radical incrementalism, right, um, on your there language. You and so um, so those are two uh, options for you to take a look at. And all of that they can find at lingoda.com. Um, I will I'll put a link in the, in the description yes. below, but that should be fairly easy for people to remember. Well, yes. Mike, thanks so much. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to the next time we, uh, we cross paths. Yes, thanks so much for the invitation. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Cheers. You know, on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about quite advanced concepts and ideas in language learning. But I also have a series of courses which are for beginners, because actually more often than not, people come to me and say, look, Ollie, I just want to learn this new language as a complete beginner. I want to learn Spanish or learn Japanese or learn French. You know, what do you have for me? And this is why over the last few years or so, I've been developing out this series of courses, which you know, I, everyone claims their method is the best, right? So all I'm going to say about these courses is that I've created these courses the way that I would like to learn a new language myself if I were starting out from the beginning. So, you know, it's it's my thing, it's my it's what I recommend. That's as much as I can say about them. The special thing about these courses, the unique thing is that you learn through story. So, you know, I don't go in for any of these kind of technology gimmicks and apps and flashing lights and funny noises and things like that. I teach you through story. So right from day one, I get you reading a story in the language. You're reading, you're listening, right from the beginning, even when you don't understand very much. And then I come in and teach you through these video lessons. I help you uncover the language from the pages of the story, which is why these, course, these courses are called Uncovered Courses. Spanish Uncovered, Japanese Uncovered, Italian Uncovered. It really is a way to learn the language to a very deep level. You won't get the same instant gratification that you get from Duolingo, but what you will get is a solid foundation and thorough education in the language that is going to give you all the groundwork you need to go on to become fluent in the language. If you'd like to find out more about these, simply head over to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and look for the courses option in the menu bar. That's IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar. That will show you all the different uh, beginner courses that we have. Uh, in all the various different languages. Once again, that is IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and click on Courses in the menu bar.